Greetings, I'm John Duvall. Welcome back to another Truth Factor discussion. Hope you're having a great day today. Here in a few minutes, we're going to continue our study. We're going to pick up with Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Let's go ahead and take a moment and bring everyone into our conversation today. We are limited in number, but while we are limited in number, the power of our thoughts is probably going to be limited as well. We're going to have Brian with us, Brian Haynes from Portland, Oregon area. Is that right? Portland, Oregon area? That would be, that would be right. I'm Hillsborough specifically, or, Hillsborough. but I'm also, I'm in Hillsborough, but I'm with the Cornelius Church of Christ. So, Okay. All right. Cornel- that be more That's confusing? A, is that Cornelius the name of a city, I'm assuming? It's the name of the town. Yeah, it's the name okay. of the town. So, Okay. Very good. And then we've got Tom from the Bellflower, California area. Well, actually, Los Angeles area, and it's Bellflower. So. Yeah. That's a good point. See, <laughs> yeah. see I'm the blessed one. We got yeah. one person from Portland, one from LA, and one from Oklahoma. So we're not arguing. We're not going to yeah. argue that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or Oklahoma City hard areas. Area. The Oklahoma yeah. City area. Yeah. So, that's, mean, that's, we true, don't have the we don't have the riots and stuff like that. And the anyway. Sure. Okay. But Paul said, "Whatever state you're in, be content, whether it's Oklahoma, California, Oregon, or what have you." Right. Right. That's more of a challenge for me and Brian than it is for you, yeah. Paul, or John. But that's the way it yeah. is. So, I, I will say, <laughs> where good. we have you beat is we have weather. The weather in our states is superior. So, yeah, I can do. I can say that right now. Oklahoma is trying to figure out if it wants to be good for planting or if it's going to be bad for planting. We got we got some plants inside. We need to now get outside, and the weather's just not consistent enough yet to do that. But it, it will, and it'll be nice and hot. <laughs> so, well, all right. Well, we are missing. Wet. It's wet right now. Well, we're we missing. Go ahead. I'm missing Sorry. Brendan and Paul today, and so Paul had a, a previous uh, an engagement he had to tend to, and Brendan has a Bible study he's teaching uh, once a month, and so anytime he's not here on a Thursday, it should be the fourth Thursday of the month, I believe. So we'll just kind of keep that in mind. Well, let's go ahead and continue. Now, Brian, when we're looking here at chapter seven, this section is almost just a a series of statements regarding wisdom, isn't it? It's not so much hitting, you know, the you know, one subject like the worthlessness of wealth or the vanity of life. Mm-hmm. So, right. so people look at this chapter either as being parenthetical to the greater okay. conversation that it's just an insert of little wisdom anecdotes. Um, But I kind of lean more to the idea that these are smaller observations that the greater experiment has taken. Um, That in other words, that he's kind of making these observations based on the greater ideas we've already talked about. You know, he's already said several times that in this great experiment, you don't find the meaning of life, but you do find a lot of problems. And now he's yeah. dropping these little things. Here's what else I found. It's a, you know, having a good name that matters in life, or um, you know, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. You know, these these are the little anecdotal statements that he uh, puts in here that I think are just um, uh, auxiliary uh, observations that this great experiment has brought in. Um, yeah. As I said, though, it could be a parenthetical statement where he's just uh, you know put a put a bracket around this and say, let me drop some wisdom in here 
that you can think about. Um, either one would be a, would be a, uh, an appropriate way to look at it. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, add, adding to that, you know, basically he's he's reached the conclusion that life is vain. If, if the only pursuit you have in life is vain, now what are you going to do about it? Let me give you some suggestions. Yeah, and uh, and it's then you have a whole you have a bunch of practical observations uh, dealing with life. Let's go ahead and read this. Um, but let's break. We'll look at the first fourteen verses, and let's kind of break it up into probably chunks of, I don't know, four, eight, twelve. Yeah, let's kind of do five verses each, roughly, and then we'll talk about it and then continue forward. So let's start with um, you, Brian. If you would read for us mm -hmm. the first, uh, let's do the first five. Five verses All right, there. So I'll be reading Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the New King James uh, translation today. So uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verses 1 through 5. A good name is better than a precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. The heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Now, Brian, going back to what you were saying earlier, you do have to keep all these things in mind within the scope of this great experiment. You know, it's kind of what we talked about before. A lot of the things that he says isn't really intended to be a one and all summary has got to be kept within context of the lessons here so let's go back there to verse one this is one of those statements that oftentimes they want to put on placards in your house and everything and coffee mugs and stuff like that um but what's your thoughts about that let's kind of walk through these i think i think all of these verses are circling around an idea that we've already touched a couple of times and it's the it's the characteristic of death and what is it that really matters in view of death? And you we might say that, that these passages, these first uh, few proverbs, if you would, uh, are things that surround what's the value of life. Um, you know, so the, a good name is a good thing to have. And, you know, the day of death uh, ha has more importance to us than the day of our birth. Um, and that kind of leads him into some conversation about uh, death and the concept that we should think about death um, and that death should be something that's on our mind. We think in the New Testament of Jesus saying to take up my, your cross and walk with me. And one idea that I take from that is the idea that a Christian takes up death. Uh, we take up death as our reward. Uh, uh, we don't receive our reward until death. We take up death because we're putting to death the things of the flesh. So here is the writer saying that this house of mourning, which is the house you could say that is focused on death, is where wisdom lies. It's a house that says, you know what, uh, this life comes to an end, and that's the thing I need to keep in mind. And, and I would suggest that anytime somebody loses sight of that truth, they tend to fall into folly. They tend to lose uh, their, their purpose and their meaning. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as a Christian who falls away who, who was thinking about their death at that time. I think that if a man is thinking about the end and judgment, I think he's always going to end up being caught 
uh, with that on his mind. Yeah, yeah. Think, you know, mm-hmm. when I Good see time. that expression, you know, the good name better than precious ointment, you know, obviously the idea of precious ointment back then would have been something costly. So, so, so Solomon is saying your reputation is better than money. You know, all the money in the world is meaningless if your if your reputation is worthless. If your if if your name doesn't mean anything, and that's that's something that we need to apply generationally as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I need to think about that with my children, and as my children, they need to think about that with the name that has been established. You know, uh, you know, obviously, over the course of the last year, I've dealt with death. You know, I've dealt with the passing of both my father and my mother. Recently, my mother, which is why I've been gone the past couple of weeks, and and, and I participated in both memorial services, and uh, I either quoted or made reference to these verses in both of my services because I, I, I just think that this is a, a great verse to remind people about why we come together to remember somebody that has passed from this life. You know, when you talk about the idea of the day of one's death being better than birth, well, it's all done. It, it's all over with it. And, and, you know, with the way the world is right now, and, and, you know, we know that the world is falling apart spiritually and so on. You know, uh, I've recently heard that Generation Z is the first fully post-modern or, 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 or um, anti-God generation or whatever, post-God, post-God generation, I think is the description. And basically what that means is that there is a larger percentage of Generation Z that re- rejects the concept of God than accepts it. So, and that's the direction we're going. And I'm going to tell you right now, with the way the world is falling apart, I'm glad my mom and dad aren't here anymore. You know, you know, uh, you know how sad as that sounds. You know what I mean when I'm saying that. I'm glad they're not here. They don't have to put up with the nonsense that's going on right now in this world, the vanity that is associated with this life. You've heard that phrase before, so-and-so was here, they'd be fit to be tied. They're rolling over their grave. Rolling over their grave, exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, well, let's, I want to come back here to the text here real quick and kind of what, what Brian was touching on too, and Tom as well. When you walk through here, there are a series of things that are not intended to be where we put our focus. For instance, look at verse seven there. You have the idea of a good name. And then you've got the house of feasting. And um, let's see, we have down here, sorrow is better than laughter, okay? And verse number four, the heart of fool is a house of mirth. Okay, look at that right there. A couple more real quick, verse five. You've got then for a man to hear the song of fools. And then verse six, we didn't read that, but so the laughter of the fool. So there's a contrast with each one. One, the fool, one of them would appear joyful and happy. Let's go for this. Let's have fun and enjoy life. But then the other side of the coin would be, what do you have when you don't have those things? And ultimately, when all of our focus is on the enjoyment of life, it becomes a foolish pursuit when we don't give consideration to the end of, <clears throat> sorry, to the end of our life there. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, when I summarize this, like I said, I use this in memorial services. Uh, you know, I will, after I read verse number two, I will make the observation in modern language. What he's saying is this better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. And, 
and, and, and the reason that's true, you know, how many people walk away from a party? You know what? I need to get my life in order. You know, I, 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 I need to, I need to think about my destiny. I need to think about what is beyond this life. Yeah. But you know what, when you go to a funeral and, and we know that there are many people out there that will not go to funerals, they avoid funerals. It, it's it, from a spiritual standpoint, that's not a good thing. Now I understand why, you know, I can understand that it's a sorrowful occasion and so on, but the bottom line is when you go to a funeral, especially the funeral of somebody that was young, you're all of a sudden faced with the reality of, you know what, this life is temporary. I, I can lose it at any time. And whatever there is beyond this life, am I ready to face that? And then more reality, am I ready to face God? That's why all these things are there. You know, that's why it's better to go to a funeral. And incidentally, that's why the day of one's death is better than one's birth, if you have lived a faithful life. Yeah. Good point. Um, we could talk about each one of these. Um, what caught my attention, maybe my representation of five, might be just a hair off now that I look back at it. Um, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of the fuel fools. You know, people would rather hear something that is pleasing something that appeals to them, something that they want to hear, as opposed to hearing what they should be hearing. Yeah, or hear that you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, or hear yeah. that you're okay when you're not. A lot of that goes on today. Yeah, uh, in, in churches. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of that go, a lot of that goes on in churches. And yeah. so we need to be concerned about that. So. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and, Brian, I'm going to have you read one more. Read verse... Um, Let's do six real quick. We, I cut us off a little bit short there. Sure. So verse six, for like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. What does he mean by that? For the for like the crackling of the thorns under a pot. So all of this, uh, if we again, if we want to crunch it together in a in a single context, we're talking about the idea that the wise look at life and they say, you know, life is tough. But there's an end, and that's what I need to be focused on. What's at the end and what's next? And the fool is all about, hey, what's good now? What makes me happy now? What's the what's the immediate yeah. moment feel like? And they don't think about what's coming next. They don't think about what's going to be in the day of judgment. And as I said, yeah. that's an easy thing to see. It's easy to see the wise man and the fool in this world uh, because the wise person is thinking, Hey, how am I going to give an accounting to God on the last day? Which is which is what, you know, fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole of Lot Man's purpose, you know, because there's going to be an accounting. That's that's the concluding statement of this book. And the idea is that the fool just doesn't think that way. The fool just thinks about what's right in front of me right now. What's today? What's now? What uh, you know, and and they're they're obsessed with the pursuit of pleasure or, or all the things that, you know, power, pleasure, uh, wealth, all the things that Solomon has said have, are vanity. Uh, his point is, here's the fool, and they pursue, you know, they live for laughter, they live for pleasure, and it's it's just like listening to something burning up because they're, it's self-destructive. Yeah, you, you, know, you know, building on that, I, I think an interesting observation with today's society that we think about with this is, you know, how much of today's comedy is just filled with profanity and 
uh, just filthiness, you know, in, in so many different ways. And people laugh at that. You know, when he talks about the crackling of thorns under a pot, I think that he's talking about the wise person. You know, the person that is wise sees the sees the foolishness of the fool. And, and the fact that that's what draws people's attention and people are willing to go be entertained and listen to those types of things. And, you know, the comedy clubs will fill up, you know, uh, for for that type of profane discussions and so on. Um, the, the the wise person knows what it, 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 it it's it, it's annoyance it's foolishness you shake your head how have we how have we got society to this point those types of things so yeah all right good point well Tom what since we have you up there go ahead and let's read the rest of this section seven through fourteen if you would all right okay and I'm and I'm reading the New King James version. Um, surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason and a bribe debases the heart. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the days of prosperity, be joyful. But in the days of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Okay. All right, let's see. Get back to there. So come in, so same thought, same process we've been uh, looking at in this first section here. Um, it is interesting, he says, surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason and a bribe debases the heart. Um everything that we would put ourselves towards um, will always have an end to it. In this case in point, he talks about a wise man's reasoning can be destroyed by oppression, something difficult within this life. Um, but yet at the same time, someone takes a bribe is at least worded in the new King James version. It says a bribe debases the heart or destroys the heart. But let's go ahead and kind of talk about this section. And I've got both of you up on the screen now at the same time. What are your thoughts on this, Tom? Since you read it, kind of start the discussion here, and then we'll pick Brian's brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, when you look at that, when you look at that description there, you know, oppression destroying a wise man's reasoning. Uh, you can look at that two ways. You can look at that from the standpoint of the wise man has given a good suggestion, but oppression comes along and damages it. Whoever is doing the oppressing, but you've also just got the idea of frustration. You know, a wise man that's trying to live his life right and so on, it's it's frustration. You know, you know, the 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 same thing as the bribe, you know, again, you're trying to stand with integrity for the right thing and so on, and somebody does some bribing maybe it's not bribing you, mm -hmm. but it's bribing somebody else. Or if it is bribing you, that can cause you to taint your wisdom. 
So, so you've got that in, in those things. And, and of course, so again, you've got this vanity. Why life is vain? Because of these inequities and these types of things. And so he just keeps going on down the list. You know, verse eight is basically the same thing that we've already talked about. The end is better than the beginning. Um, um, but then he does give us another lesson. Patience is better than pride. You know, you know, learning to be patient and, and those those qualities. I, I, I sometimes say that there's this um, there's all kinds of qualities and characteristics that a Christian needs to possesses, but there are certain qualities that I describe as being fundamental or foundational. All the other qualities built on them. And, and one of those is patience. Another one is humility. And yeah. those types of qualities need to be, need to be the underpinning of our character and our disposition and so on. And so he's making that challenge in there. Um, and he just goes on and gives other uh, encouragement as you keep going through the list. You know, don't uh, don't hasten in your spirit to be angry. I think the Bible, the New Testament talks about that. Be angry and do not sin. Uh, uh, um, you don't take care of that. You get in trouble. And he just keeps going on after that. I, I got more to say about the other verses, but I'll stop there. So. <laughs> All right, Brad, I think verse 10 is a good verse to think about. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I want to if I want to bring them together and say, what's the cohesive theme? What's the thing that we're going on here? Um, I think he's kind of talking too about the idea in general of what are wisdom's value um, and what are the things that work against wisdom? I think that these are a series of things that he says, you know, wisdom has, you know, value that he'll say it's better than money. Uh, he says, because it can defend your life just like money can defend you, but it gives you life. Money gives it to that. But he, he's kind of telling me some things that say this is what's against wisdom. Some translations render the uh, the statement in verse 7, uh, oppression is the, the act of oppression, uh, perhaps to, suggesting that when a person oppresses another person, it takes away reason, it takes away wisdom. Um, I know that I think, I think the Holman Christian standard is one that uh, looks at it that way. And uh, I wonder if that might be a little more accurate in the theme of saying like a bribe can debase or take away your corrupt you um, and oppressing people can destroy your reason. Um, he's he's kind of giving these things that say pride in the next verse. Pride is destructive. Anger, the emotional outburst of anger. He'll go into verse nine, verse 10. Um, that idea of, you know, and we all do it, you know, oh, the good old days, you know, I wish it was like it was then. And Solomon will tell us several times, hey, you know, don't go around saying that because nothing's new under the sun. There, this We're not in a different world at any point. It's always been the same world. It's always been the same ideas, you know, and it's important for us to, you know, not lose sight of wisdom and start thinking that we're different days and different things uh, because it's not. Um, wisdom is a good thing. Don't let any of these things damage it or weaken it or yeah. take it away from you because they do, you know, uh, anger. Um, I tell you what, personal experience, when I get angry, I can just feel my wisdom going, just, just leaving me uh, right as it happens. You know, uh, uh, you know, that it, it, I think that's ex exactly what it is. I think when I start, you know, if I, if I become intent on, you know, pestering others or, you know, uh, oppressing others or, you know, the bribe, things like that, those are all things that kill wisdom. So I think that's kind of the overall idea through here of what is it that destroys wisdom um, in this 
in these observations he's seen because wisdom's a great thing he yeah. says but you know because it, it gets you to the end that's the thing about wisdom wisdom gets you to the end and i think that's why uh it, the inheritance idea is good um especially in a spiritual sense of an inheritance you know because it's the last day we receive our inheritance we receive our inheritance our reward at the end and i can't help but think that that's a little bit of what he has in mind too again with that ultimate statement at the end of the book i think that's a good point uh real quick let me bring up the um what you're referencing, the Holman Christian standard. Surely the practice of extortion turns a, per, a wise person into a fool and a bribe destroys the mind. So it puts it on the person who is extorting the wise or bribing the fool or, yeah. yeah right. you, it makes yeah. you wonder, uh, go ahead, Tom. Uh, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. You know, I I just wanted to make the observation about verse 10, you know, uh, remembering the former days, you know, that's one of those statements that needs to be made with balance. Yes, there are things that we can look back and wish it and wish it was like it was in, in the past. But you know what, there's other things that we're better off now, you know, you know, think of, think of, um, what we were able to do electronically with COVID you know, versus going back to the good old days. So you've got good. I, I remember a mechanic one time, he was a member of the church and, you know, you hear the expression, they don't build them like they used to. And he, his comment was, yeah, thank, thankfully they don't, you know, and, and he, and you, you, you know, you look at it, you look at an engine, anybody that collects old cars, you know, you open the engine, you can actually reach something. You know, you know, these new ones, you know, you're afraid to touch and so on. But he made the point. He said, he said, you know, what? an old engine, an old car would last maybe a hundred. You'd be lucky if it would last a hundred thousand miles. A new car two, three hundred thousand miles. Uh, 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 you're going to get out. So, I mean, that's just the example of, of, of in some ways there's degrading, but in other ways we're better off. Medically, we're better off now than we yeah. were in the uh, in the days of old. Morally, may not, maybe not be, but I I think that could probably be debated as well. You know, yeah. but Danielle's got a comment uh, that's yeah. But anyway, said, Danielle's got a good comment. She yeah, says nothing new. That. That's under, what I want to say. She says nothing new under the sun makes me realize that we think that the, right now things are the worst it's ever been in the world. However, this verse says not really. Um, and Danielle, that's wisdom. That's uh, that's the idea of saying, you know what, sometimes it does feel like this is terrible. Uh, what we're going through in the world is terrible. But wisdom is, but that's just my perspective. You know, that's not necessarily what the truth is. And that's that's wisdom right there. Go ahead and bring in, do you see Gregor's comment? Yeah, Gregor was going Regarding back the uh, with a comment on the thorns. And, and that was kind yeah. of a neat comment because... Uh, uh, it occurred to me that that's a pretty sensible statement. Gregor says, thorns burn swiftly without heat and are unable to warm the pot. It's like trying to cook with flash paper. And I hadn't thought about it, but that that uh, that is a neat analogy to say uh, what's going on, that that it's a thought. It's it's something that doesn't create any value. So a neat yeah. point, Gregor. That's a really good point. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that one while ago. I had it behind something else. And so, all righty, let's see. Any other thoughts on this section? Um, and I really think the, the the overall description is is right on target. We got to make sure we stay focused on the most important, serving God. You know, don't let anything else derail us from it. There in verse fourteen, 
real quick, let's kind of talk about that one here. He says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. And here it is. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. That's the New King James translation of that. So we have days of prosperity. We have days of adversity. But when things are at the lowest, keep this in mind. God has appointed one as well as the other so that we can find out nothing that will come after him. (laughs) There's nothing depressing there about that at all. Um, Any thoughts or comments about that? Well, good days or bad days. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we need both. Yeah. That's really the bottom line. We need uh, we need good days and bad days. It's about perspective. It's about balance. Both of them serve their purpose. Uh, and and that goes back to the beginning of the chapter. Better to go to a funeral than a party. Good point. Brian, right. Brian what we see. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, just that uh, we all have good days and we have bad days, but that's not really what our life is about. In other words, uh, if I have a whole bunch of good days, my life isn't good uh, necessarily in mean it doesn't mean that things are going to go for well for me afterwards you know and but people think that all the time they think uh well this guy that's really successful god must really like him things are going to go well for him when he meets god yeah. not at all this guy has had a terrible life you know he's had all sorts of things bad things happen god must not like him it's going to go terrible for him when he meets god not at all um there's a yeah. temptation to think uh, when bad things happen to me, God must be angry with me. He's punishing me. Well, you know, good. Tom said it. Good days and bad days happen to everybody. We, we get them both, um, and they don't. They don't actually tell us what's next. Um, if everything turns around in my life and goes great, I'm not necessarily pleasing to God. Um, and if everything in my life suddenly turns downhill and fast, I'm not necessarily displeasing to God. That doesn't define for me what's next. What's next is based on. Uh, on the nature of my conduct in this life, not the circumstances that I'm in. This, yeah. There, I think sometimes there's the misnomer that if a Christian is living faithfully to God, then all good things will fall upon him. Okay. All the good blessings and everything of life will fall on him. But then that implies that when bad things come upon him, then it must be because he displeased God. And that was kind of the quandary that Job's friends were in. Job, from what we know about God, it looks like you've made God very mad because he only treats wicked people the way you're being treated. So clearly you're at fault. And Job was saying, I've not done anything wrong. I don't understand why God's doing this to me. Job still attributed it to God as well, but he didn't know why these things were happening to him. And um, oftentimes we kind of want to, and I'm not saying we're trying to spout the prosperity gospel, okay? But it is the idea that, well, the blessings of God will fall on us as long as we live righteously and do his will. But then we have to really open up an accurate discussion of what are the blessings that we intend by that. Spiritual blessings? Absolutely. Um, Watchfulness over our souls? Right there. Romans chapter 8, right on target. But if we define blessings as riches, wealth, a good home, a happy family life, I mean, there's a lot of things like that that we want, that the tendency in the world is to associate with 
us following God and then the good things fall on us when a lot of things, it's a bunch of bad stuff falling on us as well. The, the idea of the rain falls on both the just and the unjust is something that as Christians, we have to realize just because you're suffering doesn't mean that you've angered God. If you would, it just means you're suffering right now, you know? Um, and that's kind of the point we see here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, uh, building on that, how often does the new Testament actually emphasize that if you're a Christian, more than likely you're going to face more trouble than if you weren't a Christian, you know, those who desire to live godly, will suffer persecution so so i mean i mean that's a that's a, a, a not a primary but but it, it's a it's a major theme throughout the new testament so i well, mean you got to look at it that way too you know yeah paul had a thorn in his flesh you know it could have been cancer it could have been eyesight any number of things disabled paul in one form or fashion he calls it the thorn in his flesh Three times he prayed, and he deduced that God's grace was sufficient for him. But yet, that was completely different from him suffering for the cause of Christ. You know, it's it, you're right. I mean, it's the, a lot of much of the suffering can come because of our faith in God. All right, any any other thoughts or comments on this? Any any? I've got my. Let me bring the chat room back up. We've got a comment from Jerry, Jerry Wilcox. Let me go ahead and bring this in here real quick. From Philippians 4.11 says, Paul learned to be content in all circumstances. And Jerry says, we should follow that example. And that's exactly right. You know, whatever state we're in, not literally Oklahoma, California, Oregon, but whatever position we're in in life, whatever state, whatever shape, whatever is happening in our life, rich, poor, hungry, full, whatever, Jerry makes a good point. As Paul says, we need to learn to follow that example and be content. Right. And, you know, and, it, does, what, and it does apply to the state of California where we do live. So uh, uh, Jerry Jerry lives here in Bellflower. Or, gotcha. <laughs> so. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Brian. No, no. I, I was going to say, Jerry's, Jerry's passage there, though, reminds us, too. Paul says you have to learn to be content. And I think one important idea is that, uh, let me just kind of build on that for half a second. Um, contentment isn't just something that, hey, I finally got everything I want. I'm content. That that's not how contentment works. You have to you have to learn. Contentment isn't a natural thing; it's a learned thing. And Paul had to learn to be content in whatever situation it is. So it's an important thing for us to consider that you're not going to be content when circumstances get just right. You learn to be content in whatever the circumstances. Excellent point. Excellent point. All right. <clears throat> So let's now look at this next section here. I almost, I'm gonna go ahead and read in this next section. We'll start there with verse 15. Well, let's see. I guess we'll read down to verse, what, 20? We're breaking in mid thought, so kind of keep that in mind, but we'll read all, down. All verse. I care about, John, is I just wanna make uh -huh. sure you're the one that's gonna handle verse 28. That's uh, Tom and I have agreed on that, so. We just want to make sure you're the one that'll cover verse 28 and explain that one out. So, however, we need to break it down. Okay. All right. So, all right. I'm going to read 15 through 27, then we'll turn it over to Brian. Okay. Yeah, we're going to end it, chat. <laughs> we're going to end at verse 27 today. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and start reading there. 
He then says, I have seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp this, and also not remove your hand from the other. For he who fears God will escape them all. Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Let's do one more. Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. All righty. <clears throat> so jumping back into that, um, now he takes a very interesting viewpoint as we go through here. It's not so much saying that one's not, one is um, most important, the other one needs to be avoided at all costs, but there needs to be a balance within our life of our pursuits. Um, up until a certain point, there's a just man who perishes in his righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. So then he says, do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Is he being facetious? Or do you think there is actually a point here he's trying to make? Let's start with Brian. So um, there's really two ways you could look at this statement. Um, and I, I don't think he's facetious in either of the ways that I would consider this. Number one, he might be considering this in the way that Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter uh, 7 and verse, uh, verse 5 or 6, where he says, don't cast your pearl before swine, you know, the idea of, you know, if, if somebody's not interested in spiritual things, it isn't necessarily uh, appropriate for us to, to promote them in that way. And it could be that idea. Uh, the second idea, and maybe the idea I lean a little more to, is the idea of being self-righteous. Uh, one of the, the cross-references I note here, it takes us over to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. And there Paul says, uh, he says, For I say this to the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And that's wisely. You know, it's kind of the appeal to wisdom in Paul's passage here, Romans 12, 3, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So it might be the idea of self-righteousness. You know, overly righteous or excessively righteous might actually speak more to the self-righteousness um, uh, aspect that we sometimes fall into. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of overly, you know, self-righteous or self-absorbed in these things is as dangerous as you know, uh, you know, pursuing wickedness in some ways. So because it is wickedness, it's just a it's a variation on the subject. So I, I suppose there's a couple of ways to look at this. And like I said, I, I don't think he's being facetious, but I, I guess we would have to say potentially. But I don't think there is such a thing as an overly righteous person. In fact, he's going to go on to say, I just don't mm -hmm. meet many righteous people. That's going to be his great claim that there's just not a lot of righteous people. So it doesn't really seem likely that he's saying there really is somebody who's just too righteous, too good. Um, Jesus was, you know, uh, excessively righteous, you know, um, so that's not a, you know, that's not, a, you know, something that, you know, we would, we would look against. So that's kind of what my thoughts are. But look at the wording in verse 18 will help a little bit too towards this. It's good that you grasp this and also not remove your hand from the other for he who fears God will escape them all. You know, that concept there for he who fears God will escape them all does kind of go back to what you're talking about there. You know, keeping it focused, you know, um, 
And remember last week, Brian, we had that one question came in, was it last week maybe, talking about, well, then we should quit our jobs and go out and evangelize for Christ and everything. I think that if we were to try to find maybe something that might fit with what Solomon is saying, that could be, you know, we still have to take care of our responsibilities that are physically based, but at the same time, serve our Heavenly Father, not sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, life is, life is filled with balance. Yeah. And and that's the one thing you got to remember about as a Christian, you know, we're, we, as we always emphasize, we are Christians 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 and a quarter days a year. <laughs> um, you know, um, I mean, we, we've got to constantly be, uh, we, we've got to constantly realize that we're Christians and so on, but we also have to live life. You know, we've got family responsibilities, we've got work responsibilities and everything like that. And, 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 and furthermore, God has given us life to enjoy. You, you know, you know I, I, I think of aestheticism. You know the the the, mon, the the monastery type of a, a lifestyle. I don't think that's what God is teaching us to do. I don't think Jesus lived that way. You know, so so uh, you uh, can factor that in. I also recently, as as uh, we were traveling home from my mom's memorial, you know, Terry and I, uh, one of the things we do is listen to sermons, <laughs> and I remember there was a preacher who. Uh, in one of his sermons, he made a point that's kind of similar to this. Uh, you know, there's a di- uh, there's a difference between being righteous and doing righteous things, and uh, that's something else to think about along that lines. I mean, you know, Brian made the point. We uh, you can't be overly righteous from the standpoint of being a righteous person, but can you overdo it when it comes to quote unquote righteous things? Isn't isn't that what got the Pharisees in trouble? You know, when when they started finding their traditions, they were quote unquote overly righteous. I I I think that's a perfect illustration, Matthew 15, of over over righteous, which goes back to what Brian was talking about, self-righteousness. Well, anything like that, and that's a very good statement you shared a while ago. Righteousness must begin in the heart. You know, we can do all the right things and still be wrong with God. It's got to begin in our heart. Um, Brian, any thoughts? No, not necessarily. I think that was really good stuff. Um, uh, And I really like that idea, uh, Tom, what Tom said about, you know, being righteous and doing righteous things. um, uh, But it spurred some thoughts in my mind, but I don't think I want to chase them too far yet. Uh, It was just a really good, (laughs) really good thing. Well, especially after we read verse 20. For there's not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. <laughs> well, all right. Any thoughts before we continue further with this? Um, and we also talked about verse, we read verse 21 and 22. Also do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant curse. And I guess that means cursing you, you know, saying something bad about you. For many times also, your own heart has known that even you have cursed others. That's very personal in, in his writing of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think this is one of these verses that is worthy of a lot of attention today. You know, we've, yeah. we've got, uh, I mean, um, it's probably politically correct, incorrect to say what I'm about to say, but, you know, dealing with this, um, we've, got, we've got people that have become so sensitive 
that you know they they read in to everything that is said uh you know from their political or social or whatever their agenda is they read into it from that perspective I mean, how often do we find reading racism into comments that were not tended to be racist at all? You know, but be, but because somebody's mind is so attuned to that, you can't say anything without them assuming the worst about uh, the, the worst possible scenario with the with the wording you use when you might not have meant anything at all about that. And, and I can't help but seeing that. And and the other thing is, I I just see the height of I, I think it's hypocrisy that we see all over around us in society. And as brethren, we need to be careful about this because there's not one of us, myself included, that I've uttered things to myself or maybe I've uttered things to my wife or maybe somebody that I'm very close to that I would not dare say in a public setting because of whom I am with. Uh, you know, uh, you know, those situations. And I'm not talking about profanities. I'm, you know, you, you know, yeah. the point I'm making. Yeah. Uh, there are people you can confide in and you say things and you say what you really believe and so on. But you're not going to say that publicly. And, and how many people today, uh, they, they want to crucify somebody, you know, as an example, they want to crucify somebody for something that they said 25 years ago. And 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 clearly they've changed. You know, I, I, but that yeah. that doesn't matter. If you've got an enemy, if you got an enemy, uh, he's if he can't answer your argument, what does he do? He destroys your character, and and, and that, I, I I see yeah. that in these verses. I've known a few preachers that have quit writing because yeah. they didn't want it to be used against them at some point in the future. Um, Absolutely. But in, in this context, and I think the point you made is a really good point, but I think in this context, a good application would be um, you you heard that someone was speaking very negatively of you directly. And one option is to get really, really mad about it, get upset, or say to yourself, well, I talked bad about him behind his back too, so fair is fair. <laughs> you know, opinion is opinion and so forth. But You know, in the New American Standard, it says don't take it so seriously. Um, and, and I just think that's a neat way of putting it. Don't, don't take it seriously. Don't, you know, people say stuff. Don't take it seriously. Uh, they're in verse and, 21. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds like, that sounds like mama Haynes's advice. She would have told me, Brian, just don't take it so seriously. You know, so, somebody yeah. said something. Don't take it seriously. Uh, I see we got a comment from, uh, uh, oops, from Mike, uh, Michael Davis in the chat there, uh, kind of stepping back to that. righteous behavior. So. Um, kind of goes back to our conversation earlier where we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, overly righteous and such. And I like what I, I like where Michael took it, because actually it makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense to characterize it. Got a first John five where he's talking about, you know, don't say you're without sin. You know, no. So, you know, nobody's so righteous that they shouldn't be, you know. And, and of course, he goes on to say, confess, you know, confess and God will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But if we say we're without sin, we make him a liar. I like that. That's, that was a good yeah. good call on that, Michael. Good connection there with that. Yeah. yeah. And Jerry had um, another comment also. All right, go ahead. Go ahead and read that one, Tom. Page. Yeah, he just made the observation, does humility bring a balance to righteousness? And and that and and that's a good observation that, that uh, on dealing with that do not be overly righteous and so on. If the humility is there, the righteousness is going to be tempered. 
that that's a neat comment uh actually as he yeah. says that it occurs to me uh jerry that really fits nicely with the idea of don't take what other people say things too seriously because you say things too um you know uh we were talking last sunday in a lesson on the parable of the unmerciful servant and the idea is hey forgive uh, you know god forgives you you should forgive others and we're supposed to have this mindset of humility that kind of you know puts us in that circumstance humility doesn't take myself so seriously um, so I actually think humility might be a big part of wisdom um, in in the context of this conversation. Humility might be one of the biggest parts of wisdom, uh, we could say, at yeah. least from the applications we're looking at here. Well, let's let's build on that for just a moment. Um, what I'm about to say is probably not a hard, fast rule, but quite often when we become offended at what someone else is say, says about us, is it our humility or our pride that was offended? You know, and I think sometimes it's our pride that gets offended at that situation, whereas humility would prevent that from escalating. Like we said, don't take it seriously. But going back to what Jerry talked to, talks about, you can't separate humility from righteousness because righteousness begins with us humbling ourselves before the Lord. And then we start at that point and then therefore towards others and, yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's interesting. We talk about our pride being hurt or offended. We never talk about our humility being offended because humility is unhurtable. No, one person can hurt your humility. That your, your wife? I don't know. No, okay. <laughs> no, your wife keeps you humble. The <laughs> Whenever we do something that goes against the very nature that humility is supposed to be, that's where we we feel bad about what we've done because we've done something we know we shouldn't have done. And we have to one, be humble to acknowledge it. And that kind of, well, maybe not, maybe that's completely wrong. Brian, well, I'll defer to what you said. Nothing hurts humility. Uh, I see we got one more comment there that just popped up a second ago. Um, All right, let me bring, bring that in for Michael. I actually got a couple no. more. I see yeah. Michael made one and then Gregor made one. So Michael made the statement, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, humility. Very good. I, I, I think that's a neat uh, a neat point there. Um, and then Gregor says, preacher's not writing. Uh, kind of quoting that statement we saw just as uh, the statement we made just a moment ago. Fear is the yeah. cudgel of the devil. I cannot be responsible for how a person takes what I say, only for what I actually say. Offense can only be taken, not given. Um, interesting. Uh, a, a great point, Gregor. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, I think that there has to be some boldness and in things that, you know, especially as a preacher, you have to be bold in what you have to say. And, um, you know, you know, and, and of course, if you're not humble as a preacher, you're going to get broken. Uh, if you can't, if you can't take some humiliation, some, I was wrong, some, I shouldn't have said that, uh, then you're going to have a tough time as a preacher for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. and also the yeah. sad reality to that particular observation is, um, the problem is with the attacker, many instances, not being willing to acknowledge that people change. And, and, and you know, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I know I've changed my views on things. I, I, I suspect that I could say probably with about 99.9% .9 certainty, and, and I'm probably a little low, that both Brian and John, you have changed your mind about things as far as doctrinally. So... Coming to a better uh, understanding. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And how many of us have preached sermons 
And how many of us have written things <laughs> that we read 10 years later? And I ask the question, how in the world did I preach that? You know, I mean, so you got you got that idea. We change. You learn more and you, you're maturing in your faith. And we're not talking about so much doctrinal change, although we, we like to say, well, if, if I'm ever shown to be wrong, I'll change. But that's almost a prideful statement because when push comes to shove, are we really that open-minded? But it, there's a process that perpetuates. You're a young preacher, and there's an older preacher that you respect. Well, this older preacher's understanding of one verse, which you don't realize, is off. And so he says, all right, this is what this verse means. And so you take it, you package that in all of your sermons, and then 10 years later, you come back to it, and in your more thorough studies, you're like, wait a minute, that's not right at all. And you call that older preacher, he says, oh, yeah, I figured that out five years ago that I was off on that. And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> you know, but it, it's just the way it is. It takes study and growth. Um, Gregor has another good point. We'll bring that in. Starve the pride and feed the humility. Yeah. Can I pause for a minute and just say how much I like Gregor's logo? That looks very official, very formal, and I like the way the G and the H is connected together there. Thumbs up. I like that. Uh, John, you can't say that. Thumbs up. I appreciate that. No, no, no. Uh, that you like to. Uh, you were asking if you could say it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we got the, the Pacific. The Pacific. Uh, the Pacific crew votes against it. So. Oh. <laughs> we call ourselves the Pacific Block. They are the truth factors yeah. leftists. After all, after all, yes, we, that's are right. that's right. we are more enlightened because we are on yes. the left coast. Yes, the sun sets on our side of, of the country. Yes. Well, when the Lord comes again, the whole West Coast will be the first to fall off into the ocean. You know, the here it'll take a while before the waves overlap Oklahoma and wash us away. Yeah, that's probably right. Okay, well, there's enough of that, I guess. Um, looking at our time, it's 12.01. Let's plan to pick up our study next Thursday with verse, what, 23? Yeah, let's plan to do that. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 23 be a good starting point. All righty. Well, and what, what um, we'll be doing next week is we'll have Brendan go ahead and handle verse 28 for us. That's, uh, that's our decision. So. Shh, don't tell him either. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll cool. surprise it with and, them. And Paul See, can back them up. Paul can back them up. Back, that's right. Paul can back them up. So. If they watch today's study, that's how we'll know. They'll, They'll know. be ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. You know, hang on just a second. I'm going to double check this. Which my soul still seeks, but I cannot find. One man among a thousand I have found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Yeah, we'll give that one to Brendan for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think the single guy should have to handle it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All righty. Well, listen, I want to thank you for joining us today for our study. Um, let's see. Grant, Gregor, Danielle, um, who else? There were Eileen, uh, uh, Jerry, and yeah, and others. Michael. Maybe Michael. Michael, that's right, Michael. So, and all others who have been joining us for today, I'd like to appreciate it. And you appreciate your, your interest. And if you're viewing this at a later point, again, thank you for your interest in these spiritual matters. We'll continue our study next Thursday. 
um, at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time, uh, right here um, on our Facebook page, which is Truth Factor Live, our YouTube channel, which is Truth Factor Live. And you can go to truthfactor.com and get access to previous studies. Uh, on the front page, I try to update it with the most recent study once YouTube pushes it all through and everything. And uh, so you can learn more about us or send us an email, send us questions at truthfactor.com. We'd love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much, and we'll see everyone back here next week. Any other thoughts, gentlemen? No, thank you all for your comments and for tuning in. Yeah, okay. thank you very much. Y'all have, have a great week. We'll see you, see you next time. Bye-bye.